0: Soundproof. This is listening to soundproof creatives this is your girl Angela today you will hear from TV rights. TV Writes is a poet, she's a writer, she's a mother, an advocate, a social worker. Um, Now, one of the things that she believes is that there is strength and healing to be found in honest conversations and of old-world storytelling. And that's what her poetry's about. That's what her writing's about. You'll hear from TV and be inspired by her artistry and craft just like I was. You're listening to Soundproof Creatives. And this is TV Rides, just to uh, have you on the show. Yes, well, thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. You know, it's like, I was telling Michelle, um, it's been, I think, the last broadcast, is like, she came out of nowhere, and I feel like you were too. You just came out of nowhere, and I'm <laughs> like, wow, this, Tiffany, it's just, your, your writing is so dope. It's like, it's yeah, so, it's you. so, you're welcome. It's like, it's so strong. And it's so mature and it has like so much depth to it, you know, that it's like it's not surface at all. So one of the questions I, I always ask for every um, for every episode is what is your poetry journey?
1: Um. Yeah. When you sent me the questions before, I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> what is my <laughs> what is my journey? Um. I would say, like, I've really been writing all my life, like, really as long as I can remember, like, just reading, Mm -hmm. even starting reading and then writing. Um, I would say, like, in adulthood, that kind of changed, like, from going to the poets here in Tampa at, um, you know, University of South Florida, Mm -hmm. and just being introduced to the world of spoken word and saying oh so these things that I'm writing in my journal like you can speak them to an audience and people will listen you know so being introduced to the world of spoken word was like like you know driving a different car that was it it just changed my life and then um, you know as I graduated from school and Um, Started my career in social work. Like I would say that even changed the form of poetry for me because, you know, I was seeing the world differently, you know, working with different clients in our communities. You know, I would say that helped mature my poetry in a way that I was able to observe these things as an outsider and then Mm -hmm. write about them. So it's, it's been a lot. It, it's not always deep and mature. There is some surface to it because like, I like to write about joyful things as well. Mm -hmm. And those are, you know, sometimes that's just, you know, quick little witty things that I think about, but yeah, I, I would say my poetry journey has been being introduced to different forms of writing and then just doing it, you know, and trying it.
0: Now, one of the things you mentioned, um, is that your perspectives started to change? Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I first started, you know, going into the spoken word, um, just going to the slams, going being more like entrenched in a spoken word community, it feels like your viewpoint and your perspectives start to change, you know, things that how you saw things before you may see things differently mm-hmm. because of the truth and people sharing their stories. So how did that, did, did that change for you, things that you were thinking of before as far as, far as certain topics or how people, you know, how you, uh, looked at people or, um, how, how did that change for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, just growing up in the, my like hometown here in Florida Mm -hmm. and then coming to a diverse, um, university like USF, I was like exposed to things I had never heard of. Like, Mm -hmm. and when I started my women and gender studies minor, like, I was hearing these histories that, you know, th- these narratives that I- were just, you know, so for- foreign to me. And then, like you said, with SLAM, you have these phenomenal, strong advocates that are, you may not agree with them, mm-hmm. but they are passionate about what they've learned or what they've experienced. So, like, you know, um, it, it was especially topics like about race and sexuality and religion, like, mm-hmm it just, it changed my perspective. And, you know, um, like I said, I might not believe what someone else's truth, but just hearing how passionate they are to share it, um, that takes courage and vulnerability. And so um, that that was so fascinating to me as a college student, like mm-hmm. someone who had never heard about some of these topics and being exposed to that through poetry was um, really life bringing.
0: Now you mentioned that you're from New York, right? Mm -hmm. So did you, were you able to, in New York, because there's this big, of course, portrait scene, this art scene, uh, this cultural scene, were you able to um, really just kind of like immerse yourself into the New York poetry scene or?
1: No, sadly no. <laughs> I haven't because I've lived in Florida long enough now to be a Floridian. So uh, you're a true Floridian uh, now. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't, I don't claim that, but <laughs> no, I, I have not. I just started going back to New York as an adult mm-hmm. in the last few years. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm really looking forward to connecting with some of the poets and some of the open mics um, there um, cause I do try to go back to New York at least twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just never stay long enough to like go out. And now with COVID, you know, everything's so different, but I am looking forward to it. So if anyone, any poets <laughs> or open mics listening to this right now, please email me your venue. I would love to check it out because I, you know, and I'm sure that
0: you would do very well. I know across the country, there's so much, so many different um, types of poetry, you know, how we do things in Florida is going to be different than, you know, yeah. I mean, well, in Tampa, even Orlando, poetry is different, and 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 you know, much less New York. And it's like whenever I hear poets that are, that you know, like Dennis and Curtis, and they go to you know, New Newruican, and they go to all of these poetry spots, and it's like, yes. oh, I wish I was there. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like always just so jealous. <laughs> you know, wow, you know, just to kind of show, you know, that. I'm from Tampa and this is what we do. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think it's a, this is a special uh, thing to do. Yeah. You know, so now one of the things you mentioned that you were from, um, again, you went to USF and you really started cutting your teeth with being a writer and just really just most recently I've seen you do a a really get into this uh, spoken word scene. Now, were you always confident in your writing? Or did it just most recently, you know, where you where you just re- most recently say, you know what, I'm dope. I'm just going to, you know, just be confident <laughs> in what I can do.
1: I, so, yeah, it is a very recent thing. And as far as the confidence thing, that's a daily thing I have mm-hmm. to step into. Um, you know, because you can have people telling you for years, like, what? yo, why are you not doing this? Like, mm-hmm. what, you know? And until you believe it for yourself, it's, and, and really it was, it was last year, like just having meeting, like, you know, you and Alice and Michelle and reconnecting with Wally. Like it's really the community, honestly, that helps with that. um, You know, because you need people around you to remind you when you're being silly Mm -hmm. and not stepping in your purpose and not stepping into your potential and that was last year for me um I just made it my goal like I'm going to write I'm going to write consistently and when I'm ready to share I'm gonna share and that's what I started doing um and so I I think stepping into that that confidence is a daily choice for me Um, but as far as knowing that like have I Mm -hmm. always known that I wanted to do spoken word it no but I've just (laughs) fallen in love with doing it like Mm -hmm. in this past year
0: so what I what is that aha moment for you you know when did you find that okay I love spoken word. And, you know, I always I always say, you know, if, if there's a room and, you know, you can go to a restaurant and there's there's happened to be a stage and there's just happened to be a microphone <laughs> that we're like, I know poets like i the microphone like, OK, yeah, no one is doing anything. But I wonder would anyone say anything if I did hop on the stage? So <laughs> when did that aha moment come for you where you're just like. I can't get away from this. And it's just this pull that is just making me, you know, continue with it.
1: Um, I I think, and it's been, like I said, last year, several moments of this happening where um, I wrote, I wrote two very vulnerable pieces for me last year mm-hmm. that were incredibly difficult to share when I first shared them with, um, you know, someone that I trust in our poetry community, he was like, wow, like, you know, that you can tell that comes from a deep place. And I think that aha moment for me was, I'm scared. What are people going to think? You know, I'm putting this person on blast in my poem, like, oh my goodness, you know, and just terrified and not being able to get through that poem without crying because it, it, it was a lot. Um, and so that aha moment was, finally pushing through, finally saying, obviously I wrote it and this is something that impacted me. So, you know, maybe it'll impact someone else. And then having 10, 15 people coming up to me, not even saying, oh my gosh, that was so dope. That was the best poem ever, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) blah. But saying like, man, this I've been struggling through this or I went through this or I know how that feels like, to me, that was like, okay, this all this pain, all this emotion, all of this joy and sadness, all of these things inside that I'm writing, and I'm keeping dusty in my book. like what are what purpose is it serving there? Mm-hmm. You know And so I think that there were plenty of those moments um, you know, doing a few fundraiser features last year. And having these young girls coming up to me and saying, like, I love that sunflower poem, like, oh, my, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and it's it's not even like a pride thing, like you need that validation to be a poet. But what it is, is it's those reminders to say, you know, you have a voice, you have these words clearly that are impacting you. So how can they impact your community? And that's that's my end goal with any poem that I write.
0: And I think that's very important. Uh, Like you mentioned, is, is not seeking validation, but also just like encouraging you that you're on the right path, you know, because sometimes we're like, man, I love what I do. And, you know, sometimes these stumbling blocks happen. And then you're like, am I in it by myself? And then when someone just says, hey, I love that poem, and you find that it really um, impacts someone, you're like, Okay, let me just keep
1: doing what I'm doing. Yeah, and and, you know? and this can be such a lonely world, like especially mm-hmm. now with COVID. Like, you know, poets are out here, artists, creatives are out here, feeling like they're doing it and creating alone. And when you're so used to the energy of a room, mm-hmm. or or getting that validation after doing a poem, it's a different ball game now. And so, like, you know, you just have to really trust that if your words or your your intention is to do what it it is, then it's going to happen, you know?
0: You're right. Um, Let me ask you about that, because with the pandemic, you know, I've had a couple of conversations with poets, and I believe that how poetry was before pre-pandemic, you know, that it's like it's totally changed you know, the community, as well as, of course, our world. I mean, I'm just talking about the, you know, our world and people that were affected. And, you know, how do you, do you feel that how um, how poetry was before the pandemic can can come back as the same way? Or do you think that we've totally changed and now things are evolving that, um, that is now a new mindset and a new way of doing things?
1: Yeah, I, I really think that, Um, As far as how poetry was before It can definitely come back Like as far as You know obviously When there's a way for us to safely gather And Mm -hmm. you know And and that's really all going to depend on One How COVID COVID continues to manifest But also Two People's comfort levels You Mm -hmm. know There are some people who are still Very careful And I'm one of them You know Mm -hmm. Um, And then You know just the distrust with this whole vaccine and mm-hmm. you know, so as far as like the logistics of how we can gather, I think that's going to be some time and it's going to take some time to get back into it fully because people are going to be coming back with different comfort levels. Now there are some creatives out there who have like taken advantage of this mm-hmm. virtual world. Yes. <laughs> are taking it by storm and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it, it just reminds you that like creating it, it takes ingenuity and it takes flexibility. Mm-hmm. And I think that art will always thrive when people really want to do it, you know, however that looks.
0: I agree. Um, and, you know, and sometimes it's good just to sit back and just say, okay, you know what, let me enjoy what other people, what other people are creating and what they're doing. And, you know, when it's my turn to go ahead and get back on that, then, you know, then definitely I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so has your, have your goals changed? Um, you know post pandemic i mean you know since this pandemic as yeah. your writing goals have changed and your and your poetry goals have changed
1: um definitely so um my goals last year were to start performing more in our community um start reconnecting with poets that i loved before and meet, meeting new poets and i think that um as far as those as- aspects of getting out there and just sharing art consistently um i met a lot of those goals last year this year, because I am immunosuppressed and because I have, you know, a family to think about, mm-hmm. um, I have changed, shifted my goals to more of I'm going to get into writing rhythms and write every day, whether that's a blog, whether that's do a podcast like this one. I want to get into the rhythm of writing regardless because I know life is going to change. I'm going to, you know, hopefully start working again. And, mm-hmm. and I want to have those rhythms in place then. Um, so that's been one goal, just making sure I write a lot of stuff um, that's that I don't post on social media. Um, and uh, also to publish a lot of my older poems. Um, so yeah, it has shifted. It's it like you said, I'm getting to enjoy art that others are creating and supporting them in their art. Like I just got my painting from um, Ambient Willow. She did a watercolor for me for one of my poems. So I'm getting to support local, which is another love of mine, Mm -hmm. Um, but shift some of my performance goals to a more private, you know, um, arena, so to speak. Okay. Now... One of the things,
0: um, one of the things I asked you before was, you know, what are you challenged with? You know, I know that, yes, we've kind of discussed like some of the things in a pandemic, but what do you find that you that you've been challenged with?
1: Um, As far as like things that challenge me as a poet or how I challenge myself? Let's say both. Okay, Mm -hmm. so how I challenge myself Um, one of the things I already mentioned writing every single day, um, most of it, I write unedited for Mm -hmm. a few minutes, give myself prompts, um, and then choose, am I sharing this on my Instagram and website? Okay. No, then this was just for the love of writing. Mm -hmm. Um, another tip that I share often for poets who struggle with memorization Um, One way that I challenge myself is by if I drive anywhere that's longer than 10 minutes, that is two poems. So So I listen to um, a lot of chill, hot beats, Mm lo-fi. So I'll turn that on in the car and I will recite two of my poems. And that keeps it fresh in my head. That way, if someone's like, hey, you want to do a feature? Hey, you want to do this? Like, I don't have to worry about, oh, which I don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the ways that I challenge myself often um, so that I stay in, in practice of and deconstructing my poems. That's another huge one. Going back to older poems that I've written mm-hmm. and, um, you know, seeing, what I like, what I don't like, what I feel. Oh, I don't feel this anymore. Um, Now, as far as what challenges me as a poet is fear, honestly. Yeah, it's like that, uh, just stepping out of, well, what are they gonna think about this? Or, you know, like uh, I I posted something on Facebook and Curtis, (laughs) Curtis Davis here in Tampa said to me, well, someone's going to always label you. Like, I think it was, you know, something to be like, oh, well, I don't want to do slam because I don't want to be a slam poet. But I don't want to read poetry because I don't want to be a page poet. And he was like, (laughs) you're always going to be labeled. Just do whatever you want. And so that's, you know, that's something that challenges me is not putting myself in any of those boxes and trying all of them, you know?
0: yeah he's right you know we're going to be labeled I, I think whether people know it or not you know they're like okay they're going to have some type of i um some type of uh something to say to, well i like this and i didn't like this and yeah. so it comes to the question of if who is tiffany I tell you know how how would you say your style is You know, I know not to kind of put you in a box, but Mm -hmm. what are you feel that you're known for that no one else can do what you do?
1: I would say Mm -hmm. um, I am the questioner. Like if you (laughs) if you really sit and try to deconstruct some of my longer pieces, there's always a question threaded in it um because i'm constantly observing the world and those around me and my clients um i always start every poem with what question am i asking what am i not trusting in this world mm. and then go from there um and you know i like to discuss things that people aren't always talking about um you know the struggles that ig perfect picture, perfect reality doesn't really display. So I would say if you had to describe the majority of my poems, I am the questioning storyteller.
0: (laughs) And I think we need that. I think we need people that, that has that, you know, that why, you know, why are things like this? Why Mm -hmm. is things like this? Why have we conformed to whatever it may be? So I think that is so important and it's refreshing, you know, because I believe that there shall always be, like this evolution in poetry, you know, new voices, fresh voices, you know, uh, ones that are going to kind of like question the, you know, the, um, just the standard or, you know, so I think that is so important.
1: And then, and then with that too is for the longest time I was so like, I, a lot of my poems that wrestle with faith, Mm -hmm. you know, like those topics, um, I When you start asking questions and you trust the people around you, you start to realize that they have these same questions, Mm -hmm. you know, and you feel a little less alone in that. And that's really, you know, helpful to me, too.
0: I think that's, and you're right, because sometimes someone will post on social media a question and then you have other people and I'm like, okay, someone going to respond to that. And then you have all of these people that are responding to that one thing. So I think that is very important. Now, do you see that poetry is an obvious outlet to you because you are in a mental health um, field?
1: Absolutely. Oh yeah. I, um, You know as i'm progressing like my end goal as far as like bridging my professional world and the poetry creative world is i want to um see families and children that you know want to thrive and they have that creative bend to use that as a therapeutic tool um, and and for me, that's obvious. And it's not just poetry. Like I find therapy in reading, hmm. like just taking a story and using the characters to provide insight. Like um, you know, those two things, reading and writing, for me are are it for sure. I wish I could draw. I wish I could paint, <laughs> but it, that ain't for me. So <laughs> I will doodle, and no one will see them. But I could. I could put some words together and make you feel some things.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you know what it's like I I always see Michelle this way Michelle Martin as she speaks um, what she is and I think the same thing of you is where do you find this time and especially for you because you're a wife because you're a mother you know and and then you know you what you 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 went for your degree and then you're working then you're going for portrait and then you're writing and, and I'm like how do you find a time and I'm like okay I cannot be lazy because I have no excuse. (laughs) So how do you find the time to do it all?
1: And it's so funny because I remind Michelle all the time. Like I love her dearly. I, I, her and I had a really good conversation last year when I joined as she speaks. Mm -hmm. And I remind my friends, I remind myself when you say yes to one thing, Mm -hmm. you are saying no to something like your yes costs you something. And so that's a hard lesson that I have had to learn because I I can be a people pleaser. I want to do, 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 and you get to the end of that doing and you realize, Oh my gosh, I haven't done one thing for myself, for my family, to further my own goals. Like I've done everything else for the world. And so I think it just boils down to being intentional, like, mm. you know, just budgeting that time and saying, Um, my goal this week is to write two poems. What am I saying no to this week? Oh, is that coffee with friends? Is that going to 10 different outings? Then so be it. You know, that's, and it is hard when you, when you're juggling different things. I have to realize that when I say yes to a friend, that means saying no to putting my daughter to bed or, you know, so that's, that's something that I keep in mind often.
0: And, you know, and it comes to another question is what are the rewards and setbacks? So just like you mentioned is what are you saying yes to and what are you saying no to? And I love that because um, it it makes sense because I think sometimes our plate gets so full and we are scared to say no because we are scared to miss that opportunity. Um, You know, maybe if I say yes, uh, no to this, maybe it may not come back around. So how do you feel that? when there are opportunities that are available that you have to say no to, how do you keep that perspective that maybe it may come back around or maybe there may be something better?
1: Yeah. I honestly, to me, it's always, it's, it's better for me if I have all of the information up front about whatever opportunity is, because it's not just the time that, and I don't want to preach about you should do it this way, but this is just Mm -hmm. what has worked for me. Like, I'm, I'm a very intentional person when it comes to time, but also like ethos and, you know, if the mission of what you're, what you're asking me to do, like doesn't line up, like it could be the million dollar opportunity. If it goes against something that I've very like, you know, stood against, Mm -hmm. I, I can't. You know, I can't do it, you know, and it and it it hurts, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. because you want to say yes to these opportunities and you won't always want to expand and be open minded, but also at what cost, you know. And so I think those are some of the setbacks as well. Like, you know, I I said no to a lot of opportunities last year Mm -hmm. because I was in grad school (laughs) You know, I, I was in grad school, I was tired, you know, and some of my favorite parts of my day is putting baby girl to bed. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, um, those are the things in life that you want to look back and say, those are the things I want to remember, you know. And so that I would say that's a setback. Now the rewards are when you get that opportunity that comes across your plate and you're like, I was made to mm-hmm. do this. <laughs> this is for me. And just getting there and it being received, like those are those are some of the rewards. Like some some of my favorite moments last year performing before COVID were free opportunities, opportunities that didn't pay, mm-hmm. you know, but seeing people impact be impacted and meeting you guys at the station mm-hmm. like yeah. that was some of my favorite moments happened with you know I folks. had so much fun and then <laughs> you know speaking now w- speaking of radio
0: would you do you see yourself getting into that because i saw like the joy you know and you are so like effortless <laughs> when doing that you know have you considered you know i know never say never but uh, have you considered <laughs> uh, looking into that
1: um uh, maybe People tell me, you have a radio voice all the time, you know, Um, maybe, I don't know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always tired, so... Um, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it, but it, it was fun. I will mm-hmm. say that, and I loved meeting you guys and all of the poets. That that was really. We had some good laughs in that in yes. that studio.
0: Yes, that was awesome. And you know, and it's just I think stretching yourself creatively. So how do you do that? How do you make new goals for yourself? Whether it's the, whether you say okay yes in writing, but maybe no for the open mic, or how do you say yes to the open mic and maybe. I have to take a little break from writing. How do you, how do you manage that?
1: Um, just honestly feeling it out. There have been seasons where, and I think every creative goes through that. You just feel uninspired. Mm. And I, th- I think that's why reading and writing are so intertwined for me. Like it, I will be as bold to say, like, I think that it's very hard to be a writer if you're not reading, if you're not taking in other narratives. I will say that. Like I stand by that. Um, and so sometimes it does look like I'm feeling really uninspired. I haven't talked to a human soul lately because mm-hmm. it's COVID. I haven't sat down and had a talk with a good friend in a while. And then it's it's crazy when you make time for other things, what ideas can pop up. You know, um, I've had ideas for poems inspired just by sitting and having tea with a friend and listening to what they're, you know, struggling with or what their biggest joy was that week, you know? And so... I think, um, as far as challenging myself in that way, it's really just listening and being attuned to the season you're in and, Mm -hmm. and the season of life that is happening around you, you know? I think that's very important. Um,
0: now just looking back at, you know, your, your childhood and, you know, going up in your adulthood, could you have imagined that you would be touching the mic? Uh, could you have imagined, you know, writing and being in that world? No way. <laughs> okay. No so, way. So, so what was that, almost that unlocking moment? You know, even it's not the aha moment, but what was that unlocking moment where you found, what were the steps or what were the experiences where you found that, wow, this world is for me?
1: Um. So... And this is the first thing to to come to my mind. So I'm just going to share it. So last year I met, um, you know, of course, Michelle, Michelle Poet. She is uh, her and I connected and legit. Michelle is the most professional person when it comes to things she's passionate about. Mm -hmm. Like I will give her that. So long story short, she found out I was there, that I was going for therapy um, to become a therapist and um she was like well let's meet up I want to tell you a little bit about as she speaks yada 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 so we meet up home girl is like legit asking me like questions not to be a part of as she speaks but just Mm -hmm. to get a feel of who I was and so she's like um well what's your goal and and legit, like she didn't know me from Jump. This was the first time we were meeting. So I really opened up a little bit to her and said, Well, I kind of want to do this and I kind of want to write this book and I would love to feature in an open mic. And she legit said, What are you afraid of?
0: Oh my gosh, I can hear her voice. You can, can't you hear her, I can hear her voice?
1: <sighs> <sighs> so she was like, Okay, so, um, <laughs> I don't mean to be rude, but what are you afraid of? And that unlocked everything last year. Like, it was like, like, you know, and then, and then over time she became a friend who was like, that's, that's a dope poem. Like go to this open mic and do it. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And yeah, that was, and it's been several moments like that. My, one of my good friends, um, Phil Porto, he's, he does a lot of my photography and videos, um, he's been telling me for years to write. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And so he, you know, last year was like, I've been telling you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Mm. You know? So, yeah, just, you know, you can have people trying to unlock it for you for years and until, you know, you believe it and you see it. And that that moment for me was last year. And then the support of our community. We have such a dope poetry community. We do. We do. It's so loving yeah. and... Like, you know, when I did my first slam at Grow House, you know, Mm -hmm. just the tears and giving King Soul a hug. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, it's just it's a beautiful thing. Like, it really is, you know. And it's so crazy that you say that because... You know, sometimes it takes those
0: strangers just to say, Hey, I see this in you. And mm-hmm. and then someone else has been saying it all over the years. So and it's just like, okay, this is just confirmation. Yeah. And then you know, what I what I see is with especially with your social media, it reflects that. It reflects your confidence and reflect the gift that's in you. And that's one of the questions is how do you start from where you're at? Because I think that so many people they, and I had, and I was, there was this conversation on IG and I was like, wow, that is so, it's so important because a lot of times people see this, this, um, this, the seasoned poet and they're like, wow, they're this and this, and look at them, look how they do the stage, command the stage and they're writing. And I don't know how I could ever get there. How do you start where you're at?
1: Honestly, I was in that boat that you just described, like listening and watching all of these vets, not only in our community, but nationally mm-hmm. and just saying, I'm, I'm never going to be that. And so starting from where I was like last year for me, I had to say to myself, I am writing mm-hmm. and I have something to share. And what does that look like? I'm not quite ready for the stage. And so for me, I became an IG poet. And I was like, I'm already writing these short little poems that are so encouraging to me. Let me write them. And then I noticed as I started writing these little snippets, I would take them and turn them into longer poems. And then they would become spoken words. And then I could share them. So like, you really have to start with what you got. Like mm-hmm. if all you have is haikus, then be the best <laughs> dang haiku writer IG Facebook ever seen. Like mm-hmm. if if all you have are you know you just ha- you ha- you have to. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing Angela is that like for me it started out as putting all my little po- my little poems. You know black people always like belittle their stuff. By saying, said oh, little, <laughs> but like uh, putting my short poems on IG. Mm -hmm. And then going from there. But when you compare, like, I love that saying, comparison is the thief of joy. Oh my gosh, yes. You know what I mean? Because eventually I started doing these short poems and then I'm like, well, now I kind of want to, I want to write slam, write four slams, but you got, you need at least two to three minutes for that. These little IG poems ain't (laughs) going to cut it. You're always going to be trying to do the next thing and next level. And that's great to challenge yourself, but start with what you have. You know, I think that's, you. that is
0: so important. And like you mentioned is the comparison. So how do you mentally stop and physically? Because you know how sometimes we like to stop <laughs> what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Or we're like, let's see what they're doing. Even, you know, maybe similar. And you're yes. like, so how do you, and I know this word keeps coming up through this entire interview is confidence, but I know that that's something that a lot of people may be struggling with. So how do yes. you say, Let me go ahead and just stay in my lane and enjoy myself in my lane and celebrate myself in my lane and not look at what another person is doing in their lane.
1: I would say what works for me, and this is going to sound so horrible because I know that there are people out there who do believe that you should constantly be listening to other work to mm-hmm. to hear what's relevant and hear what styles are coming out and stuff and and I do, you know, once in a while I'll jump on but- button poetry or things like that but I also have put boundaries in place for myself where I don't watch or listen to other poets um because I will fall in that trap so like because I know myself and where I'm at mentally or emotionally if I'm tired mm-hmm. or if I have a deadline for something that I'm writing Um, that's not the time for me to be studying other people's work because then it's not going to be true to my voice and I'm going to be trying to copy or mimic something that I've heard. So that's kind of the boundaries. Now, when I'm in a, a place where I'm feeling inspired, or I'm feeling like confident in myself, then that's when I'll, I'll you know, listen to others works or, or read, take in other poetry. But that's one of the boundaries. And then just knowing when to shut social media off. And it's so crazy that that yes. word keeps coming up confidence. Yes. Because like I said, that's That's not my daily reality. (laughs) Like you should see me like someone. I get comments all the time about my social media and, oh my gosh, your IG is so neat. That's because Mm -hmm. I am a neurotic person. (laughs) If I don't like I think about I'm very intentional and the the unhealthiness that comes with that Mm -hmm. is if it if I don't think I can do it perfectly, I'm not going to do it. And I had to stop that because Mm -hmm. I would not have an Instagram if that Mm -hmm. was the case. Like, I wouldn't. It's so
0: clean. It's like, it's so clean. And, you know, it's it's just, it's the colors just seem like they run into each other. So now that you say that, it's like... That's
1: because I am, I am very, like, you know, it's like a social media is a full-time job. I don't know how people do it. I don't know how they do it. So, yeah, I, but it goes back to really, for me, being intentional. And Mm -hmm. for me, that is... Spending time writing, spending time developing the words and the voice that I want to hear and say, but also, you know, finding that mental space and health to say, Mm -hmm. I am not this person. I will never be that person. I can celebrate who they are and what they're doing. And that's okay. I have a little bookshelf, the bookshelf that I have in my room. Mm -hmm. I have a little slot just for local poets and writers. And I can pull from that and read and be so excited because I know some of these people, I know their stories, their stories are not mine and that's okay. You
0: know, I love that. I love that. (laughs) And I know you have a piece for me, um, I do. (laughs) Yes, you do. I know, you know, we all, we poets, we always have something in our, uh, in our bag, even though we have to look through the bag a little bit, but I know we've got something. (laughs) So the question that I asked you earlier was who is TV? Who is TV rights? So do you have something that shows who you
1: are? Hmm. I do. And the poem that I pulled up is not that piece. So oh. <laughs> I'm going to pull up another one. <laughs> <laughs> one moment that piece is loading in my notes. Section. No, And I want
0: to hear this piece. Yeah. This piece, the one that you have that I do want to, cause then usually the one that we pull up first is the one that we're most passionate about at this moment. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear that one. But the one I do want to hear is, um, Whatever you have is who is TV rights. And
1: then we'll come back to that. Okay. So are you talking about you have a story to tell?
0: No, no. You you, you your story to tell. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, hold on. I'ma pull up. We got it. I'ma get it. Here. Here we go. So this poem I would say embodies who I am as a mom, as an advocate, and as a social worker. Okay. nice. All right. I once heard two powerful quotes that changed my life and challenged my thinking as a social worker and advocate. One was by Congresswoman Shirley Chisholm, and she said, most. If you don't give if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. And the second quote I recently heard by Rusty Bennett, and he said there are no square tables when it comes to equity, because there's no head of the table. Now I find it interesting that both of these quotes speak about tables and the pulling up of seats, but rarely do we as a society speak publicly about the preparation of these rooms and who fills them. And it got me to thinking, one day my daughter will be a woman, a brown woman, and she will have to choose tables. She will search for seats in rooms she may or may not be invited into just like her mother, a woman a brown woman, had to search for tables and seats. How often do we speak about that process and the feelings involved about loneliness, sometimes being the only thing to go in with you into conversations about you, but that you do not feel a part of the longing to share lived experiences about those suffering and dying around you who may look just like you, but don't seem to have access to the same rooms, the anger when that same experience is overlooked for the privilege that seems to align the pockets of those passing us, those already with comfortable seats ready to be sat in the tension, that tightness in chest, that constriction of throat as you gasp and you choke to spit out the words, I am here. Do you see me? That first moment I felt beat of chest as I placed one hand in the air. The moment I realized I woman, I black woman, I Afro-Latina woman, I child of an immigrant, one half of an interracial partnership woman, woman of faith, I have something to say. I have an idea, I think. And then the silence that filled the room. Worry that filled my bones because I had spoken up and there was only one other woman in there, and no one that looked like me or lived like me or believed like me, or at least even tried to understand the staring, the crippling hesitation, the minimizing and apologizing for my presence, the feeling that I, woman, did not belong, the backing out of those doors, the putting away of my words, the shutting down of mind, and now apathy. Let me ask you something. When is the last time you stood on the fringes of a room and surveyed who stood there, too? When is the last time you placed back to the wall and became human thermometer, measuring how cold or warm your presence was, how welcoming or exclusive your room was? When is the last time you considered where your table was placed and who sat in your seats? See, our predecessors, their allies, fought hard for space, for seats and tables. They laid their hard-working backs on cold floors, in rooms, courtrooms, diners, schoolhouses, universities, to take part part in what was happening in them. So I honor them by showing up. Women, we honor them by showing up. Minorities and allies, we honor them by speaking up, by getting the work done even when no one wants us there, by creating space knowing what it feels like to have no home for our efforts, to bring both justice and peace into the spaces that lack our experiences. We honor them by first acknowledging who we are and then showing up with all we've got. Because the world needs a little more of what we've got. Nice. <laughs> you
0: told me and I just said, what's in your bag? And you just, you know, you just pulling, just pulling out bombs. Stop. Really? really? You really? See that's what that's what seasoned poets do.
1: Listen, I, seasoned, ooh, I had to knock the dust off that one.
0: <laughs> that was that's what seasoned poets do. That was that oh was. Oh my beautiful.
1: gosh! A, I that. feel like season poet. What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, Ooh. just take just take that crown. <laughs> just,
1: just <go> <laughs> Thank take you, that
0: Angela. Crown. You're welcome. Now I want to hear the other piece that you pulled out, and I want to know what was your mindset when you wrote the piece you are about to read. Okay, and why is it the first thing that came to mind?
1: So, for tonight? um. So I wrote my husband and I, cause you, you said a poem that embodies like that's important to you right now. And um, I was just thinking, you know, if you've known me, if you've known TV for any amount of time, you would know I love my family. Like I love like my daughter. I love my husband and I am a very family oriented person. And so um, I love sharing this poem because, again, a lot of my poems are about the things people don't really tell you. And so I never want anyone to look at my social media and see, like you said, it's so neat and perfect. No, we we have life off of social media. And so I like to pull up this poem because it is about marriage and and relationships. And a lot of people struggle alone in that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when we live in an IG, Facebook, picture-perfect reality. Um, And so I wrote Year 7. It's probably one of the only poems that has a title (laughs) in my bag Um, because we celebrated our seven-year anniversary and getting ready to celebrate eight. And um, it's been a journey, man. And my marriage is often, I use it as a metaphor in some of my private writing to describe my poetry journey. So, yeah. That's it. Yes. So I'll share it. Yes. And then that's yes. the last thing I'm pulling that, out of a bag. That is the last, <laughs> yes. Can't show
0: them all your tricks. You cannot. And <laughs> hey, we got competitions to enter after this. And to delicious. listen. We yeah. got homes to publish this. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all
1: right. So this is year seven and it's dedicated to um, my my life partner who supports me in all things. Today I held my breath. I silently wept for all the ways I could lose you or fail you, today I held me. Knees knees to chest, chin to knee as I watched you from across the room. Year seven, same small apartment with the dingy carpet. I've looked for all of the creative ways to cover up and I fuss about moving forever homes. I say something witty about selling all of our possessions and walking the earth and you call me your hippie and we chuckle and you fuss about my fussing and then silence your smile is fatigued and foreign and me fatigued and all closed up we mumble off our good nights and do a wary waltz to bed just to start it all again today I held me wondering if they have a word for these types of days and if they do no one certainly talks about them get married Plan the wedding of your dreams. Run off to the and Capture your best smiles in photographs. Laugh your biggest laughs as you exhale beneath the stars you planned would be out as you give a piece of yourself to someone else. But no one talks about the next day. I'm going to cry getting through this poem. <laughs> <laughs> no one talks about the next day or year one when that dreamy waltz turns into a sprint. And you both slammed straight into a wall of death that crept in and the smoky mountains you swore you'd see together turn more like paper hills marked past you on every surface of your dinner table or year two. Who tells you about the months you will spend trying to find yourself and each other over and over again while also getting lost in your newborn baby's smiles and coos as they seem to echo against every room or year three when you wake up fighting to remember what you said you'd fight for, squinting through dusty blinds and the approaching daylight to catch glimpses of your forever friend before rushing off to be a productive citizen or year six. But I mean, let's be honest. Who is really preparing you for year six when American Psychology Association estimates we'd both be vowing bitter goodbyes by year five? So today, in year seven, I held me and I reached out for you. Reflecting on day one, When you asked me to wear your letterman jacket like we were in the fifties, reflecting on month nine, when you first met my family and you chose them too, reflecting on tomorrow, each tomorrow we are going to have to choose each other, when it's easy, when it's hard, when love is interrupted, when love is not gentle, when love is not soft-spoken, when the sex is inconsistent, when our hearts claw for each other but our hands are fatigued and foreign to skin, Today, I let you hold me. And we celebrated all the ways we failed each other. I held my breath. I loudly wept into your chest, all of a sudden finding the words, remembering all the reasons to choose to try again and to keep holding on. Thank you.
0: That is beautiful. (laughs) Wow. Thank
1: you wow those are the poems that I'm saying like how do people perform these in slams and not cry like how
0: (laughs) I think sometimes people are just made of stone you know (laughs) made of stone and I definitely will if you're able to share that in the future because I know that's a very personal piece I am going to just like be cheering because that is a gorgeous gorgeous piece
1: so that the plan is so I wrote that piece Mm -hmm. And I'm actually in the process, I'll give this little secret. I'm actually in the process of rewriting it. Mm-hmm. So that it can become a Vitali group piece. And that's all I'm going to say. What? <laughs> you said a group piece. Yes, it's uh, okay. going to be a group piece with uh, Vitali magic, none other, oh, obviously. Okay. <laughs>
0: okay. So, you said a group piece. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, waiting. I'm, I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And I'm excited. <laughs> we shall see. Yeah, I am going to just like. I'm going to be like sitting up, up front when, you know, when you start competing again and when you start performing again, there's going to be some special things that are going to be happening. And I'm thank just like you. so looking forward to that.
1: Yes. Thank you. I can't wait. Honestly, I cannot wait. I think we're all holding our breath until, I, yes, you know, yeah. some type
0: of normal, some mm-hmm. type of normal. Thank you, TV Rights, for being a part of Soundproof Creatives. (laughs) I am just so honored, and just just I just love this. Thank you for sharing a piece of yourself, and thank you for sharing your work. Uh, It was just so beautiful.
1: Well, listen, thank you for curating this, for just giving poets space to talk and. You know, I think this is the side of poetry and performance that we need. You know, Mm -hmm. people need to see their seasoned poets be human and that's okay. So thank you for holding the
0: space for that. Oh, thank you. Well, you have a beautiful night and thank you again (laughs) for being a part of this.
1: Yes. Bye, Angela. Uh, Bye-bye.